So hey guys, we're back with another podcast on our Western history um, here with uh, the Blue Collar Network on both HVAC Reefer Guy and Cochise County Travels. Uh, today's podcast, we have Marshall Trimble, Arizona State Historian, along with many other honors, and I'm going to share some of those honors with you today. Before we get into the podcast, I want everybody to know about the Wild West History Association. You can find them at wildwesthistory.org. Now, I'm a member, and I know that Marshall Trimble is an honorary member, plus, plus, plus. I think he's like way at the top. And for me, it's it's history with provenance. It's history that's researched and true history, not stuff that you're going to find on social media where people are going to post a picture and then maybe lie about it or pull a picture on Pinterest, but it's researched history. And that's important to me, and I'm hoping it's important to you. Uh, I urge you to join the Wild West History Association. Again, you can find it at wildwesthistory.org. The membership is $75 for one year, two years for $125, or three years for $175. Now, I joined at the three-year mark, and that gave me a $50 savings. And the West, the journal that comes with it is a quarter-inch thick. I've measured it. It's a quarter-inch thick of solid history. No advertisements, no you know, crazy whatever you're going to find in a normal magazine or journal. It is true researched history. And I urge you, if you are a history nut like I am, even if you're just, you're not a researcher, but you want to read true Western history, I urge you to join Wild West History uh, and do so at wildwesthistory.org. The other shout out goes to my friend Mark Boardman at the Tombstone Epitaph. And you can find Mark at tombstoneepitaph.com. Uh, that is Arizona's longest running newspaper since 1880. And what I like about it is it's a real newspaper. You know how some newspapers are going digital and you're reading things off of your Kimball or maybe off your iPad or your Android. This is a real newspaper that you can sit down and read. Uh, there's lots of art from Bob Bozbell. Um, there is so much history in it along with updated events that are going on within the WWHA. Uh, the memberships are pretty pretty reasonable. In fact, they're very reasonable at today's rates. It's $25 for one year, $45 for two years, or $60 for three years. Now, if you take the $60 for three years, that saves you $15 overall instead of just re-upping every single year. So I really urge you to look at the $60 one. I know some people say, well, that's a lot of money. Well, it's really not to get a newspaper in hand, and it's not one or two pages. They're Sometimes they're really thick up to 20 pages, and it's really, it's great history and articles and interviews and art from Bob Bozbell, and there is there's just so much. So it's nice to get a newspaper. Um, I think that's it. Oh, and I also want to let people know about uh, Marshall Trimble's podcast. That is the Marshall and the Madam. You can find the Marshall and the Madam on uh, on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, it's a fantastic podcast that he he breaks down, and I'll let him talk more. But he breaks down uh, history and things that we may not think about. Like they have a podcast, and correct me if I'm wrong, Marshall, about hygiene in the Old West. Um, and that's, gosh, that was a great one. So I re, it's something that we don't think about in today because it's so, it's part of our lives. But back then it was, it was a big thing. So welcome, Marshall. How are you, sir? I'm doing good and uh, glad to be here. Glad to be here. Oh, by the way, yes, I, I'm a charter member uh, of WWHA, um, uh, not an honorary, honorary. And, uh, and second vice president 
of the of the group. So I've been in from the uh, from the beginning. Uh, actually, we were part of NOLA WOLA, um, and uh, which were which was two old West uh, groups. And we finally decided it was better to just merge the two. Um, and um, so WOLA and NOLA became Wild West History Association. And Bob McCubbin, uh, the great photo collector, was our first president. And uh, he's the one that gave us, uh, thought, uh, came up with the name. So because we just lost him a couple of years ago. Right, and I saw that. Um, unfortunately, I never got a chance to meet him, so I live... I, I learn about him through you and other folks that know him. Because you're a charter member, does that give you, like, when they have the uh, the roundups, do you get parking right up front, or do you get... Uh... <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't like those kind of privileges anyway. I just uh, I, I just pay and... Um, um, Pay and we 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 all volunteer. Um, the, the only one the, the only one being paid for any of that is Roy Young, because he puts out that fantastic journal, and uh, he, he he's uh, the most underpaid person in the West. Well, and I know Roy, and we're going to do a podcast with Roy. He's agreed to do one as well. Um, it was a huge honor when I met him at TTR a couple of years ago. I was like, I was uh, very nervous to meet Roy B. Young. And I love that name, Roy B. Young. And he is, he's young at heart. And one of the nicest, kindest people, he just, he just came right up and talked to me like we'd been friends for 50 years and we grew up together and, and, uh, a huge heart and a very kind man. Yeah. And he's a very good source of information too. Um, he's a, he's a collector of books and he deals in books and, and, um, he's, he's another go-to guy. Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit about you, and Marshall has agreed, even though he's in Scottsdale, and I'm in Goodyear, we're about an hour apart, I promise not to make him blush. Um, some of his honors include, and, and correct me somewhere if, if I make a mistake, that you were the 1997 governor-appointed Trimble, the sta- oh, you became the state official historian in 1997. Yeah. You have a medal of that honor. Was, that was not a political thing uh, in any way. Uh, I thought it would be because when it was first offered, I turned it down. I thought it was a political thing, and um, turns out it, it was a bunch of fourth grade school teachers. Uh, the fourth graders in Arizona teach uh, uh, Arizona or take Arizona history, and uh, I had spoken to a group uh, of teachers taking a, an Arizona history uh, class from um, at, at ASU. And but they I, approached me if I would be if I would be willing to let them prevail upon the governor to appoint me state historian. So that's how that all came down. But don't you have a parking spot right up front at the Capitol? No. No. Oh, I thought you did. Um, no, I, stay, I stay away from there as much as I can nowadays. I get you. It's too. Uh, it's gotten too uh, polarized. Uh, or bipolarized. I'm not sure what how to describe it, but well, uh, it's a I, it's a good part of town, and it's a beautiful building. I'll go down there because I like the uh, the Iowa or no the Arizona the Arizona Memorial that's right downtown. Yeah. It's a beautiful memorial. Yeah, yeah. And I I was earned for thirty years, thirty some years. I was uh, on the Arizona Peace Officer Memorial Board. So that picture of the old West lawman down there, uh, or the statue, I mean, of the old West lawman. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, a, I was a part of all that. I was a charter member of that board, uh, 
appointed by the attorney general. And, uh, and that's for all officers killed in the line of duty since 1863. Oh, I mean, I gotta, I'm, I've got to put that on my, uh, my day trip. Oh, it's, it's, it's the most intriguing statue. I, 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 that little self-bragging there, but uh, um, we, were, we were the ones who selected the statue uh, way back in, I say way back, uh, seemed like yesterday, 1980, about uh -huh. 1986. Well, you've also, you're a Medal of Honor, uh, from the Daughters of the American Revolution, you have the Lifetime Achievement Award of the Arizona Office of Tourism. You were elected the Scottsdale Hall of Fame in 2004. You are, just like you said, the Wild West History Association Lifetime Achievement Award in 2010. In 2011, you were, what does it say here? The Arizona Music and Entertainment Hall of Fame in 2011. Um, you've also got lots of books, and I'll read just through a couple of books. Uh, Arizona, A Panoramic History of the Frontier State. You wrote that in... That was 19, my first one, yeah. In 1977. Yeah. Uh, the C.O. Bar Ranch in Flagstaff in 1982. Uh, Ash Fork, Images of America, the San Francisco. Um, I would assume that is the San Francisco... What, what is the San Francisco? Why does that have to do other than San Francisco Peak? Um, Images of I don't America. Know. That was weird. Uh, was that, is that a title of one of my books? Yeah, it says Ash Fork, Images of America, San Francisco. So you must have been doing something about San Francisco. Oh, no, that, that was the Images of America series for Arcadia Press. That was Ash Fork. I oh. did a, a pictorial history of Ash Fork. So, um, and then you have an Arizona trivia that you did in 2004. Yeah. And... It just goes on and on. You, I, I can't even. If we had reading. a board game, actually, a board game and a book that went with book. it. And then yeah. you even, and this is kind of cool. In 2012, the what does it say? The U.S. State Department, the Cowboy Hall of Fame tour, a goodwill visit to Kyrgyzstan to share American cowboy culture with the people of that country. So you really, you really got to get around. Yeah, well, I I had never been. Um, I, I'd been to Ireland a couple of times, but I had never I'd never gone anywhere. And there I was in Istanbul, uh, Turkey, and and then uh, got on a plane there. I was with some um, uh, actually some world champion rodeo cowboys and a couple of uh, rodeo queens. So I was um, I was the old man of the group, but. Um, there's no uh, way. I had my I had my guitar. I had my guitar along to entertain, and um, we just uh, they were they were they are fascinated. And this uh, this is a one of the most remote parts of the world in Kyrgyzstan, and uh, there was a there was a military air force um, base there in Kyrgyzstan, where the U.S. Air Force flew in and flew out all of the personnel and equipment and everything going into Afghanistan, which is kind of timely when you think about it today right. and uh, so I met troops either on their way to Afghanistan and troops coming back from Afghanistan and I was a former Marine so I fit in okay uh, with them and and um, uh, also a member of the Arizona Veterans Hall of Fame class of 2004 so um, uh, that's a that's a, a very special place uh, for me with the military history and um, from the frontier right up to right up to current, 
and anyway, we um, we were there for about oh, I think it was about ten days, mm. and just had a great time um, with the Kyrgyz, uh, the Kyrgyzstan people, and um, they're great horsemen too. So we did rodeos. We did some rodeos with them. And uh, they had their own rodeo events, which were mostly mono-mono combat. And um, ours were like roping and uh, uh, roping and riding broncs, things like that. So uh, it was quite a it was quite a change. And all the events we competed with them, they they won the um, all the all the all the Kyrgyzstan events, the Kyrgyz uh, traditional sports. They beat us, and we beat them in all the American stuff. But it was a good time we, had by all. We we uh, they they the the rodeo cowboys donated some of their saddles and cool. and to uh, the Kyrgyz. They were using the uh, kind of crude uh, kind of cacks, I guess, uh, and uh, homemade things. And so we we had uh, it, it was really and they they loved they loved the hats. We had, gave them some hats and and. Um, and I, I never had my picture taken so many times. People would run up and hand you a baby, and uh, and and then uh, back off and take a picture of you holding the baby. Mm. And I held so many babies, uh, more babies a week. Mm. Uh, but anyway, it was re- it was really a lot of fun because they were just a real happy people. And you know, you meet the political officials, and um, and there were a lot of Russians there uh, still, even though it's even though the Soviets didn't control it anymore. They they thought they did. They acted like they did, and um, uh, it was interesting to see them. Um, and uh, their wives liked us. Their wives liked us and wanted to pose over pictures. But the men kind of um, keep a, a cold distance from us. Well, it was noticeable. But the people, the mm-hmm. Kyrgyzstan people themselves, just just couldn't be couldn't have been nicer. Well, they picked the right guy. I can tell by that story. They picked the right guy. I. I wanted to, um, I wasn't going to, and for people that are listening, there's a lot of articles about Marshall, and one of the things is, is Marshall his real name? Yes, Marshall's his real name. Um, Is he born and raised in Arizona? Yes, he's born and raised in Arizona. Um, His father was a farmer, and the Ash Fork years, though, intrigued me, because the Ash Fork years was where your father became, went from a farmer to working for the railroad. Can you talk about yeah, that? Yeah, he started out as a railroad fireman for the Santa Fe Railroad. Uh, we we kind of went, we never did really have our own place as farmers uh, and stockmen. Uh, it was more of a dairy. And uh, Dad had a few cows, and and uh, he, we were just we were just getting by hand, hand to mouth. And, and uh, he finally just sold the cows and hired out for the railroad. And then he was, he didn't work much then because he didn't have enough seniority. So the first few years were pretty lean and Ashford was a, uh, we didn't know how poor we were because everybody was in the same, was in the same boat. This was in the late, uh, mid, middle, mid, mid to late forties, 1940s. So the depression was still pretty much on, but the war was over mm-hmm. and, um, and Ashfork was a busy little town. Route 66 ran right through it, and and um, the Santa Fe Railroad ran right through it. And from there, it was a branch down to Phoenix, the only Phoenix connection to the Northern Railroad. So uh, it was an important little railroad town, and it was a good place to be a kid. It's it's still a great place, I think, to be a kid in today's, because I was in Ashfork 
a few weeks ago and went out to the settlement, the Pioneer, I think Pioneer Settlement Cemetery. Um, oh, yeah. Beautiful cemetery. Like, if anybody gets a chance, uh, the cemetery, and I know it's, people say it's creepy, that how can it be beautiful? But the surrounding hills and where it's located in the trees, you drive up this tree-lined road, it is just a gorgeous place to be in Ash Fork, to really see the history. And you have to cross the railroad tracks to get there. And then to get back into town, you have to go over the rail tracks. So the, the railroad plays a big part of Ash Fork. What? Yeah, still does. And the, the woman who deserves credit for all of that uh, of the cemetery, because I remember my mother back in the 1940s looked out there and she said, Marshall, if I ever die, don't let them bury me here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, it was pretty dreary and unkept. And Fayreen made it her, Fayreen Hume's her name, and she made it her mission in life to, to make that a, a, a beautiful cemetery. And she's done it. And she gets volunteers out there. She's a one man, one man everything for Ash Fork. And um, uh, she was a classmate of mine in high school. So, um, so we go back a long ways. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a beautiful cemetery, and I didn't know that who was caring for it. My wife and I went there. We were in Williams for the weekend, and I said, "Gosh darn, we were in Ash Fork last year." And I said, "You know what? I think there's a cemetery that I'd really like to see." And I. I was surprising because I get to so many small towns in Arizona and the cemeteries are not kept up. And that one is just stunning. It's beautiful. So kudos to your friend. Yes, she's, um, um, she's, the town's not incorporated, so it doesn't have a mayor, never did, uh, you know, never was that lofty, but, um, she's, she's the, she could be the mayor and she's the historian Mm -hmm. and she, her husband, her husband's grandfather, was the first businessman in Ash Fork in 1882. Mm. So she goes, uh, the family history um, goes back. So she's, she's done a lot, uh, a lot for that town and continues to do a lot for the town. I don't know what they're going to do when she, when they lose her. Uh, she just, she has to live forever. Well, I, I'm sure the work that she's done is going to allow her have a legacy and she will live forever. I, I wanted to ask you about your Ash Fork years, because in that time, even though World War II was over, you mentioned in one of your biographies or something that I read that you joined the military and you lied about your age. Did that, is that correct? No, no, that was my older brother. Your older brother. My older brother um, lied about his age uh, when he, he was 16, hmm. and um, um, and he when he was 17, he finally went into the Air Force and served four years in the Air Force. Oh. But, uh, but yeah, he was the one that did that. Um, no, I, I, di- I, didn't, uh, I didn't join the Marines until, I was, uh, until we lived in Maryvale. So in Maryvale, for people that don't know, and it's a funny story, and I'll let you tell it, because in Maryvale is a master plan. It was a master plan community, and then what they called West Side, or they call West Side now, of Phoenix, and houses were being built by a developer, and you could buy a house for $7,500. And you mentioned in one of your stories about your mom being mad at your dad because the house payment was going to be about $55 a month, and he didn't know if he was going to be able to pay it. Um, yeah. is that, yeah. Tell he, us about the Maryville years. That was, his, that, was his first, that was his first home. Uh, all those years, um, we, we finally had a, a home. We weren't renting somebody else's place or, or living at somebody else's house uh, as we had been all those years earlier. And um, 
uh, I think she finally just gave me an ultimatum. Uh, she said, uh, I, before I die, I want to have a home of my own. And um, so uh, John F. Long was building these three bedrooms houses, nice, solid, really nice houses. And um, for the money and everything, uh, I've always been, I've always thought John F. Long was a great, was a great man. And I had a chance years, many years later, um, to uh, get uh, the, uh, I think it was the Junior Achievement. Um, uh, uh, they had a Businessman Hall of Fame. And I, I submitted John F. Long's name, and I, and I gave a sales talk for him. And he, he was uh, inducted into the, uh, the Arizona Business Hall of Fame. So that was my way of saying, John, um, you, you, we got our first home. It was a $55 a month, and, and my folks lived there for 25 years. Those houses are great because you said they're solid. Um, they're like some of them. They're all brick. Some of them are all brick, and the streets yeah. are curved. It's like a, the, city, the city wraps around like a circle. Um, yeah. if, you, if you look at it, it's really creative. But they had those big, they'd have those big open houses, and they'd have a front entry gate. And people would line up around the corner and then tour these neighborhoods and pick out, you know, maybe one of ten houses that he was building. Yeah, you can still see old photographs of right along Indian School Road. It was went from about, um, oh, I think it was uh, 48th, 47th, 47th Avenue. It was 47th Avenue and Indian School. Mm -hmm. And right there uh, on the north side of the road, uh, he had a whole, uh, a whole parade of homes. And you could... Uh, you could go through and select the home they wanted, and and um, hmm. and I, I know we were really we really thought we were walking in tall cotton when we got in that because we had never had a very nice house, and usually the plumbing was bad if it had plumbing at all, and um, it was wow. just uh, we we thought we 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 thought we were in a hog heaven. Mm -hmm. When when you started moving up. You know, obviously, grad. You know, up getting older is what I should have said. Getting older, um, you were cruising along pretty decently. Tell tell us a little bit because there's not a lot about your twenties, thirties, and forties. What were you doing then? Who were you working for? And the reason I ask is, when did Marshall Trimble become Marshall Trimble? And, and not, <laughs> I kind of I kind of call those my lost years. You lost years. Um, uh, I had, um, uh, I had, uh, I struggled in college and I, I, I majored in PE because I figured the only thing I liked was sports and, um, I loved high school sports and, and, uh, played a little baseball at Phoenix college. And so I, um, but I, I just thought the only thing I, the only way I'm going to graduate, I wanted to go to, I was the first in my family to go to college and, uh, was the first to graduate from college. And so I was, I just, I just wanted to, uh, I wanted, I wanted to do that for my mother. I wanted to have a degree. I, don't, I didn't care what it was. It wasn't going to be in rocket science. I knew that. And um, I'd gone to a high school of 30 students, uh, uh, three of the four years, uh, finished up at West Phoenix High School. But I had never taken any kind of science courses um, and uh, they they just weren't offered in in that, in that small school at that time. I think they I think they probably do now. I hope they do. But I wasn't. Uh, um, I had I, I all I could do all I could do was uh, 
play baseball and basketball. And so I, I took those PE courses, and I graduated with a degree in PE. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. then I got lucky and um, got a job uh, teaching with Mesa Schools, coaching mm-hmm. at, a, at a junior high, and 7th, um, 8th, um, and ninth. And uh, I, I really enjoyed that. But after about five years, I thought uh, I, I wanted more. Mm-hmm. There was something missing. And um, I, I, so I tried some other ventures. I, I tried um, managing a fence company. Um, let's see. what. Uh, oh, I went to work for Motorola because a, 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 a school classmate was a, uh, in personnel over there. And he said, come on out. Come on out and go to work for Motorola. Um, we've got uh, uh, job sharing or some profit sharing or something like that, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I tried that, uh, and I was inside a building just uh, with no windows. And uh, I, was, I was totally lost. And I had a master's degree, too, at that time. And they thought because I had a master's degree, I must be some kind of a scientist. <laughs> and so... <laughs> They completely misread me, and I just I just went along with it. But I knew I knew it was not this was not me, and um, uh, I I was I was lost, just completely lost. And my brother was going to vet school up in um, my younger brother was going to vet school up in uh, um, Fort Collins, Colorado, and he. He called me one night and he said, "I'm going to go, I'm going to work on a ranch for a, a little while up in Montana." It was summer. It was in the summer, and he was on break. And he said, uh, "How'd you like to come up and uh, play cowboy for a while?" Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I said, "Nah." Uh, everything was everything was nah. And I, uh, about an hour later, I called him back and I said, uh, "I've got a ticket to Denver. Uh, meet me in Denver." Mm-hmm. So he and his wife uh, picked me up in Denver, and we headed for uh, across Wyoming to Mile City, Montana. Mm-hmm. And there we were. I, I was saddling a horse and, and um, driving cows from the Tongue River south of Mile City, the Tongue River, d- up to Mile City to the railroad. And it, it seemed like, looking out there, it, it seemed like it was... It was it was a hundred years ago, and it looked like the the, the, the land up there. This was west, uh, eastern Montana, and it looks just like a Charlie Russell painting. And um, and then we we were, we went into Montana after we had the, the cattle delivered to the stockyards, and there was a old west bar there, and and um, with all the elk, uh, deer, and elk heads on the wall, and again it was just just it was. A throwback to the past. So and when then you, when got you got there, though, let me ask you: when huh? you got there, and I love the story. I, I don't want you to stop, but I have to ask: did it feel like home? Did it feel like you were lost all these years, and then you went, "This is where I'm supposed to be"? That's why I call it my lost years. <laughs> gotcha. And um, so we were. Uh, that, that was how we passed. Uh, oh, I, f- I forget how long it was now. But um, it came, came time to load up the pickup truck. We threw our saddles in the back, and um, we're headed back to Fort Collins. It was time to uh, he had a, he had a roll for fall classes, and um, and so we headed at, we we headed um, 
uh, south in Montana uh, to a little town called Hardin. And it started to, there was a, there was a rain falling, a light rain falling, and there was, uh, and, uh, we stopped at this, uh, the only lights in the town of Hardin that night were at a museum. And, um, so we said, we thought, well, let's, let's check out the museum. So we went in there, and there was a little old lady in, running the museum, and she, she, uh, started telling us, she says, you boys know where you are, don't you? And, I said, uh, no. She said, well, you know, you know who Custer was, don't you? And I, I thought of Errol Flynn, uh, and, and that was about as deep as it went for me at that time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she said, well, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about it. And she had all of these relics of from the Little Bighorn right there. And um, uh, she said, uh, where are you boys going? And I said, Fort Collins. And she said... Um, uh, well, you're going to be going down towards Sheridan then, aren't you? And um, we said, yeah. Uh, we, uh, and she said, there, the battle, where the battle took place is out there uh, on your way. You should stop and see it. So we threw the saddles back in the back of the truck and kept driving. And we come to this place. There was no museum there like there is now. No big buildings, no, no nothing. In fact, there was nobody there. Mm-hmm. And um, and there was there there was a there was a fence around the place, and we climbed over the fence and went in and just wandered around, and uh, I wandered off by myself. And I've heard people say this about other places like Shiloh, and even Gettysburg, and I I felt a presence, something I couldn't I couldn't describe and couldn't understand, but I felt the presence of something around me. And all the markers, they had little markers out there where bodies were found of soldiers. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, it, it just, it, it came over me, something. And anyway, we got back in the truck and headed down towards Sheridan. And I was driving and he was asleep and and um, his wife was asleep. Uh, uh, just the three of us in the truck. And I woke him up and I said, I know what I got to do. I know what I'm going to do. I am going to teach Western history. We need to teach kids about this, about our past, and I can do it. And then, then I then I caught myself and I said, I've never heard of a Western history course. And um, and my brother said, Well, they have one here at Fort Collins. Um, and they offer a wet course in Western history and said, um, surely they must have one at ASU. So when I got back to, uh, to uh, Phoenix, I checked it out. They did have, they have one course in Western history. So I went over and, I, and it was taught by Bert Fireman, who was a, uh, also a, a journalist. And, um, and he, he was kind of a curmudgeon, but, uh, um, but I liked him. I just, I sat there just riveted to every word he said in the class. And, um, um, when that class was over, of course I came, I made an A, I think it was one of the few A's I ever made. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and it was an easy A for me. It just came natural. And so, um, I started taking, uh, I, I had to take reading and conference classes because they wouldn't, uh, they didn't have any Western history classes. 
And finally, I got with a professor who was, uh, that was his specialty. And um, uh, Young was his name, Otis Young. And he started he started giving me reading and uh, reading assignments uh, for college credit. And he would give me like 10 books to read, uh, 10 or 12 books to read every semester. And I, was, I just kept taking these classes um, until I, I built up quite a repertoire of credit, college credits on reading and conference classes. And every once in a while, he would teach a class, and I'd be sure and take it. And, and um, the long and the short of it is, uh, pretty soon um, um, I was ready to—I was ready to throw my hat in the ring, and I, I went into um, uh, Coronado High School in Scottsdale, wearing boots and jeans, and I probably had a hat on. And um, I just said, "Do y'all need a American history teacher?" It was already August. Mm-hmm. And um, um, classes were starting soon, and they said, uh, <laughs> you must be psychic. We just lost our American history teacher. Um, we just lost him last week, and we do need to teach her. Do you know how to coach football? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, said uh, I lied, and I said, yeah, um, I can coach football. And um, our school was so small, we didn't even have a football program. But I'd seen a couple of games on TV, and so um, so they said, "Well, we need, we need an assistant varsity football coach." They didn't even ask me if I knew any history, and um, so I I got a job teaching American history, and uh, I think it, I did it for a year. But every time I got I I couldn't stay on the subject that uh, I couldn't follow the book. I kept talking about Lewis and Clark, uh, Jesse James. Um, uh, the uh, all of these the the, the, the Comstock load uh, in Nevada, the California Gold Rush, and these students were just regaled with that, and they and they were loving it. And I and I finally the department chair called me in one day and said, "We're going to start uh, we're going to start a, 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 a try out some elective programs here of one semester." And how would you like to write up the curriculum for a Southwest history course? Hmm. And I said, yeah, I can do that. Uh, so I wrote up the curriculum and um, they said, now um, we're going to offer, if you could get 35 students to sign up, you can teach a class in it. And um, if you can get twice that, you can teach a whole year uh, uh one class, all, uh, uh, one each semester. And so I announced to my students who were going to be seniors, and I said, if you all didn't get enough of me and you had, uh, uh, if, if you had uh, uh, room on your schedule next year for, a, for an elective, I'm going to be teaching a course called Southwest History, and you can have me again. Well, something like 300 kids signed up for that one class. Wow. Coronado was Coronado was a big school and about thirty three thousand students something like That's that crazy. and uh, so I had um, so they they called me in and I said Marshall you're um, uh, you're a full time Southwest history teacher now so when did though amazing like I've just been listening to you the entire time um, the Custer thing that could be a whole another discussion yeah. Um, 
because I went to Custer's stand in 69, 71 when I was small child. And yeah. like you said, none of that stuff was there. I think the monument was there. That big, that granite statue was there. And, yeah. And I that's think it. That, that was about the same time I was there because I, it was about 69, I think, 68 or 69, yeah. right in there. So and, um, that the only thing that was there was the statue and that wooden picket fence that went all the way around it. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Well, you you probably saw it about the same time I did then. <laughs> but you know what? I was so young then. I, I remember it because it was, I remember the vastness. It the I remember the open range and how yeah. beautiful it was. Like, oh, my God. Oh, you know, I didn't understand the, his, yeah. I didn't understand the historical significance of it. But I remembered it, and, I, and I'll go back, and, and it'll be totally different, and I'll be angry because it'll be a visitor center and bathrooms and all that stuff. But I know. I, I've been back several times, and, and it's, I, I just, I'll never forget that first time I saw it. So when you, you became the history teacher and football coach and all that, did the morph, morphosis, I guess, maybe a dumb word, to Marshall Trimble to where People started recognizing you not just for you and your as you are as a person and your love of history and teaching. And when did it really take off for you that there's more to this? To that Marshall Trimble is also a writer and a singer and also somebody who goes and gives public speaking and goes to corporate offices. I mean, you do a lot. You're not just this guy, but you're you're everywhere. When did that change, well, yeah, and, and how did that I, come I, about? I can I can take you right there because it went it just followed a, a sort of a, a, a sequence here. Um, the next year, uh, Scottsdale Community College opened, and um, they uh, I was I was teaching with a uh, with, uh, there was a science teacher in the, at a couple of doors down from me at Coronado, and her husband was the um, uh, one of the uh, I, I guess dean of, dean of instruction, I guess you call him, at the new college, and um, he said, "Hey, we were." Uh, he told his wife one night, "Do you know anybody that uh, that could teach Arizona history?" And she said, "We've got this guy." She told me the next day, and I she she said, "We've got this guy at Coronado that the students just flock to get in his class." She she and she really built me up. And um, he said, well, have him come in and talk to me and if he's interested. And I, so I, I, I thought, am I interested? Boy, am I. And uh, that's, that's, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to be at the college level. And so I started out, uh, so I took the job uh, teaching at night. So I was teaching uh, at the high school during the day and at the college during the night. And the class kept growing every semester it would have it was doubling in size, and mostly they were adults um, and uh, and seniors. And so, um, next thing I know, they had to they had to move me to, to two nights a week. And then Mesa Mesa Community College uh, wanted me to come over there and teach one, so I went over there. So I was teaching three nights a week, and uh, and 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 then I started getting requests to come and talk to civic groups. But about the second semester, um, one of the adult women in the classes, uh, in, in a class at Scottsdale said, um, she said, Marshall, um, 
we need a better textbook, she said. Uh, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I'd been scrambling to find a, a, a good textbook that was interesting and uh, wasn't just the old traditional um, history book. And I, I said, I, I'm trying, I've tried several and I, I just can't find a good one. And, um, and she said, why don't you write one then? And I said, I couldn't even write a good term paper in high school. I mean, how am I going to write a book? I never even thought about being a writer. And she said, just tell your stories mm. the way you tell them to us. Wow. And I never forgot that. And so I sat down in a day or two. I had to, I had to, I had to take it in first. And then I sat down at a typewriter and, um, and just pretended like I was talking to my students and wrote this book and um, uh, it got submitted uh, to make a long story short um, at Ruth Cohen at Guide on Books in Scottsdale um, bless her heart I walked in there with a manuscript one day because it had been turned down by the University of Arizona Press because they said it wasn't scholarly <laughs> I just thought it wasn't meant to be scholarly right it was meant to be. It was. It was meant for, for people to read and enjoy, and um, that book is still my favorite. But anyway, I, I had the manuscript. I, I was thought, well, that was a waste of time. I told him I wasn't a writer, and um, and I, I walked into the bookstore, and um, Ruth looked at the said, "What you got there?" And I said, "It's the manuscript." She knew I was working on it, and and she was. She was she was just a great booster for me, and um, any time I wanted to have a a, a good book to uh, where the best book I need, I, uh, she, she was my go-to person then, uh, my only one, and I'd say, "What's a good book on gold mining? And what's a good book on this or that?" And, and um, uh, she said, "Give me that." She said, "There's a man from Doubleday, New York, in the store in the back of the store." And I'm going to go talk to him. Wow. And I, so she, she, she'd already taken it away from me. Mm-hmm. And she went back there, and I could hear her talking to him. And his name was Bob Brinebolt. And, um, uh, and, and she, she said, um, Bob, you've got to read this. This is the best thing I've ever read about Arizona. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's never even seen that thing before. And uh, bless her heart. And he said, "Well, I'm going. I'm on my way back to New York. I'll, I'll, I'll give it. I'll read it on the plane." Mm-hmm. And about a oh, three weeks later, a month later, um, I get this call from New York City, mm-hmm. and uh, offering me um, it was either five or ten thousand dollars. Wow. Well, I was I was barely making five thousand dollars a year teaching, mm-hmm. and uh, as an advance, that was an advance, and I. Um, uh, I, but that was it. I, I said, yeah, 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 I'll take it. <laughs> it didn't take me long to make up my mind. And, um, so they begun, they've been working on it and it, uh, you know, it was back and forth and back and forth, uh, with the editor. Um, and for, uh, well, I was, I was, at, at first I was really, I was, I was really excited and, telling everybody and then I, I, I pretty pretty much I kind of clammed up on it because I thought 
what if it's what is what if it's bad? Mm-hmm. I read these book reviews in the paper, then some of them really get they really get ripped. Right. And then I thought, you know what? I can take it. I've had a lot of setbacks the last few years. I can take it. But what would my students feel like? They'd be they would feel bad for me and they wouldn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't know how to tell them, no, it's okay. Um, and that was that, that became the prevailing thought. Mm-hmm. And then one morning, one of my, my student assistant um, called me on a Sunday morning and she said, Mr. Tremble, have you, have you seen the morning paper? And I said, no, no, I uh, haven't seen it yet. And, and she said, I think you better go out and bring the paper in because uh, you're in it. Wow. And I said, is it good? And she said, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and bless her, bless her heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went out and got it. And, and uh, Kearney Edgerton, who was a well-known writer for the Arizona Republic at the time, later became a good friend. He wrote, he wrote the most glowing review of the book. Wow. And the whole first edition sold out wow. within just days. And in fact, it caught Doubleday off guard. Mm-hmm. And they weren't able to, they, 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 it took them a while to get it back on, it didn't fast like it is today. This was 1977. And um, uh, it, it took, it, I think we lost a we lost a lot of momentum on it, but that didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the name? They, what was the name of the book? It was uh, Arizona: A Panoramic History of a Frontier State. Can I'm sure you can find them out there. Uh, yeah, it's been out of print since 1987. It's it in print for about ten years, which is really good for for mm-hmm. a double A. And um, uh, how many copies it, do you have at home? I have about three. Three. Oh. I I know yeah. a guy in Goodyear, Arizona, that would love one. Do you know that? I'll even drive to the house and get it and save you postage. <laughs> well, I yeah. What the heck? <laughs> no, uh, no. Every time, in fact, every time I need one, I just go on. Uh, I just go on the internet, and uh, and I can I can almost always find one. Well, I haven't tried in a while. Yeah, I, but, um, I'll go on age books. I ran out a long time ago of my stash, well, and so I could just I just started buying them. And um, yeah, I'll go on Abe's books. That's where I get my stuff. A friend, good friend, Abe's Mike. Is good. Abe's is good. Yeah, yeah. I'll go on Abe's books and get. That's where I I buy well, some of if, my historic if, if stuff. If you don't, uh, and sometimes you can. They're really they really aren't expensive at all. Although I've seen them, I've seen them the first edition uh, a couple hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, we got about 10 minutes left. It goes okay. by fast. Well, that in a nutshell is the, how the story really uh, But it's a, it's a great the story. Sold and, 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 and uh, things just started falling my way. Um, I was asked to start uh, uh, speaking here and there and attending book signings and meeting other authors. That was the most fun, is meeting other authors that I only knew by reputation. And I was sitting at the table with him, and um, hmm. so it was. It was. It was. A, it, it was a Cinderella. It was a Cinderella ride, uh, and I, 
I've never forgotten. I've, I've never. I've always been grateful for just it happened. The luck of it. Uh, well, I don't think there's luck. The luck I, of the draw. I think there's luck, but I think good things happen to good people. When when I I did a little picture about you when you and I spoke last weekend. I think it was. And and I took your I took a picture from the internet and I posted it out on a couple of social media pages and I said I said um, I had the nicest conversation with the kindest man and I got a lot of people John Bosnecker and a lot of people that said you're one of the nicest men they know so in my heart it it tells me that good things happen to good people um, and I think you're right there. Before we go, when we we do, we literally have like ten minutes. Yeah. You talked about you know that's been a great ride all the way through, and I think you made you know a comment about that. But you're not done, and you have a new podcast out called the Madam, the Marshall and the Madam. Tell us about that in, in about eight minutes or so. Tell us about that, how that came about. All right. Well, Sherry Monahan is this gorgeous young woman. I say young, she's, she's about 50. <laughs> and uh, uh, she's a writer for True West also. She writes the um, uh, Frontier Fair uh, about food and such. And uh, I've known her, for, known her for a number of years just to meet her at True West Magazine events. But she lives in North Carolina. And, um, and so um, uh, uh, Stan Houston uh, from Tucson uh, has a, a, a cowboy up that's called Cowboy Up, and I was a guest on that uh, one time. It was a that's podcast, uh, and um, and I was a guested on there, and and he he contacted me, and he had Sherry on there, and she's really good behind the microphone, and a lot better than I am, and so um, he said, um, um, how about how would you and Sherry like to come up with a with a program? And we do things like, um, and we call it the Marshall and the Madam, and um, uh, and the Marshall with two L's instead of one L, um, and and the Madam is uh, is is there are all kinds of Madams, but the one you think of is the the, the woman who who ran the bordellos, and so you can talk about uh, everything from good time girls uh, to outlaws and lawmen and and just any topics you like. And just uh, go and see how it works out. So, you know, Sherry and I are two thousand miles apart when we um, when we talk, but we just pat, have patter back and forth, and and it's just natural, and and, uh, and and it's like we're it's like we're sitting at the, at the same mic, and so it's very worked out very good so far. Well, you've, you and we have get what twenty episodes. We have twenty and, uh, episodes already done. Uh, we yeah, we did our twenty first on uh, last Thursday, day before yesterday. And they can find that on iTunes and Spotify and yeah, anywhere that know. they listen you know, to podcasts. I, it's funny, I didn't, I, 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 uh, I didn't, I didn't know what uh, when Bob Bose Bell asked me to write some blogs for the True West magazine on the internet, and I said. Uh, okay, Bob, but what's a blog? <laughs> he said, "It's that crap you write all the time, Marshall." <laughs> so, <laughs> Bob and I go back a long ways too. He's from Kingman, which is just down the road from Ash Fork, 
Right. And so, uh, yeah, so we anyhow. just, I just had Bob on a, on a podcast oh, did, oh, yeah, did, a couple yeah. weeks ago. And, <laughs> he's, um, great, he's a great guy. He's, and, uh, I, I could so talk anyway, to him I found out what a blog was. And so I said, yeah, I can, I can do that. And so I did. And, and then when Stan said about a podcast, I had to ask the same questions that it's a po- podcast. What's a podcast? I'd never heard them. I kind of, I might've heard the word, but I didn't know what a podcast was. Sometimes I'm still pretty naive, I think, about technology. Just ask my wife. Um, and, um, you know, it's, a, I think, I think I, I just, I just don't, I don't grasp the technical things, technic, technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, I'm amazed at how uh, an electric lamp light goes on i'm still amazed at how how in the devil can they make a radio uh, can we get a listen to something in new york over the radio mm-hmm. um how did it be, how, how's that happen and I've, I've even read up on it and i still can't figure it out so anyway i asked what a podcast was and he said um you just won't have a camera and he said it's the same thing you do when you have a zoom and i just learned what a zoom was too mm-hmm. and um and so, um, so I've, since then, I've done Zooms and bod- podcasts and, and blogs. Well, you're up on it. And I'm laughing at the comment about Bob Bozbell, about BBB, you know, that crap <laughs> that, you know, the blog is what you, because I could totally hear him saying that. Yeah. Um, that's funny. That's funny. Um, I'm not, and we, Mr. Bozbell. I'll tell you, the fraternity of, the, this large fraternity of writers uh, I like Bozmacher and Roy Young and Bob Bozbell, all of that. Uh, we have more fun together when we, when we get together. We just, uh, you know, we're just, uh, we're, we're brothers and we, we, and sisters. And it's, our mission is all the same. Our mission is getting people to buy into the great Western heritage we have. And they do this. There's no, it does is done no better. Uh, no one does it better um, than uh, TTR. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. And hopefully, you and will the Wild too. West History Association too, because mm-hmm. they're just a just a great bunch of people. And and um, and I, just, I, it's it's just a wonderful experience. My wife loves them, uh, and just she's not a writer. She just loves loves the history and and she's also very pretty so she fits in real well well are you going to be a ttr this year i don't know if i'm going to make it or not i've having some um um a little bit of a a, 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 well this covid thing is uh, although i've been had my had my shot um but um i get you i've been having a little trouble with my feet gotcha well, and I'm not sure I can. I'm not sure I can be on my feet very long right now. Got to figure out what, how to, how to fix this. Well, I have about three minutes left. I'm going to ask you the same question I ask every person. Do you have something that you live by? Like, did your father teach you something, or your grandfather, or your mom, or your, or whatever? Like for me, and I tell people, it's do the right thing and risk the consequences. Is there a, fa- a phrase that you live by that helps guide Marshall Trimble? Well, um, my son went to West Point, and um, and I, I spent a lot of time when he was there visiting uh, the academy, 
and duty, honor, and country. And I was a Marine, and there, there was something that was instilled in me. And um, I've been told that it, that it doesn't take on everybody, but it took on me. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's a code there. And, um, and uh, mine, I guess, if you, if you put it in Old West terms, it would be, uh, I ride for the brand. Okay. Fair enough. And my brand is the American West. Fair enough. Well, you guys, um, this is Marshall Trimble. Again, uh, I, I can't thank him enough. You can find all about him at marshalltrimble.com. He is also a member of the Wild West History Association, and you can find out about WWHA at WW, or excuse me, at wildwesthistory.org. That's wildwesthistory.org. And I urge you guys to join you men and women out there that want to learn about history and the, and the true provenance about history and research and deep history and not what you're going to find on the internet or on some Pinterest photo or whatever. Um, this is truly research history. Also, if you want a newspaper that you'll absolutely love and I can't wait for it to show up, and that's Mark Boardman and the guys and gals over at the Tombstone Epitaph, and you can find it at tombstoneepitaph.com, and that's T-O-M-B-O-S-T-O-N-E-E, there's two E's in there, Epitaph, P-I-T-A-P-H dot com, tombstoneepitaph dot com. And if you write tombstone epitaph in a search bar or a search engine, it'll come right up and you'll, you can learn about it. But I urge you to really uh, look at a membership, not a membership, but a subscription to that. I think you'll absolutely love it. I can't wait for it to come out. Also, I didn't really mention in the beginning, but True West Magazine, check them out at truewestmagazine.com. All of the pictures, uh, the new Wyatt Earp issue is going to be insane. Peter Brand has an, uh, an article. He's, he's got an article in there. Um, and, of course, Bob Bozbell is doing some fantastic stuff. You can check him out at truewestmagazine.com. Also, look for him on Facebook. Uh, at True Us Magazine. And if you want to get a hold of me personally, you can do so through my Facebook and Instagram page at Cochise County underscore travels. That's Cochise County underscore travels. And that is on Facebook and Instagram. You can join both of those. And I put my history or my travels all around Arizona and the American Southwest, and you can contact me there. So as always, work safe, be safe, uh, be good humans. There's a lot of suffering going on in the world around us. And please, if you have extra money ahead of you, uh, donate it to a food bank near you. I donate to St. Mary's Food Bank. Uh, seven, uh, $1 feeds seven people. $5 is 35 people. I mean, it's crazy what they can do with a dollar. So give to a charity and a food bank near you because there's a lot of folks that really need your help. Until next time, safe travels, and we'll see you soon. <music>